0: Welcome to the Hunt Harder podcast, where we will give you the strategies, tools, and tactics to be the best hunter you can be. Now let's get this started. What is up everyone? So today we have a special episode for you, uh, which is actually hopefully the first of many special episodes. And so before we recorded this one, Mike and I were talking about how this may be the very first episode, I'm sure there's probably something else out there, but um, with three experienced strength and conditioning professionals who also happen to be hunters. To kind of frame the experience between all three of us from a, I guess, a professional highlight standpoint, Here you go. So Mike, my uh, partner in crime here, co-host, Mr. Michael Barnes, he was a strength and conditioning coach for the uh, San Francisco 49ers during their Super Bowl run uh, or runs, I should say. Um, He has a master's in education. He was the director of education at the National Strength and Conditioning Association. And just to frame that, the National Strength and Conditioning Association is essentially a governing body uh, or the gold standard in strength and conditioning and human, human performance education in the world. Um, so he was the director of education there. And he's been the owner of Infinity Personal Training for, I believe, about 15 years now. And he's worked with a variety of uh, people as far as athletes, you know, general population, um, and the list goes on. Extremely intelligent when it comes to human performance. Uh, myself, I've got an exercise science and dietetics degree. Uh, I've been a strength and conditioning uh, coach in mostly the private sector uh, over the past 12 plus years, working with a variety of uh, different athletes and people. Um, I've taught the the NSCACSM ACE and NASM curriculums in a, I guess you'd call it a seminar and class format. And uh, I've managed, owned and operated gyms, studios, uh, personal training departments, and things like that uh, along the way in my professional career. And then our guest, Mr. Joel Rather, I hope I pronounced that last name properly. Uh, Joel has a master's in exercise science. I believe it was exercise science or something in that uh, uh, kinesiology type field. Um, Joel was a division one strength conditioning coach uh, served on uh, a couple different staffs there and he's been a strength and conditioning coach in the private sector I also know he spent some time at the NSCA uh, I think while Mike was there if I believe and then uh, he mentioned he's actually worked with uh, special operations uh, or United States special operations in a, a number of different capacities so I think you get the picture. So there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of experience between the three of us. And in this interview, we identify the need for quality, fitness and performance information in the hunting space. And we feel like it's uh, really lacking in that. And we aim to help you, the audience, understand the importance of applying sound, strength and conditioning pr- uh, principles into your arsenals to make you a better hunter. So. Buckle up, buttercup, and enjoy this episode. Joel, what's up, man? How are you? I'm great, man. Uh, Mike and I are both here uh, to have our little conversation.
1: Awesome. I appreciate you uh, and appreciate the invite, most definitely.
0: I'm going to ruin it, Joel, so hang on, buddy. You know, me me and Mike were talking right before this, and we're like, this may, I mean, I'm sure there's probably something like this out there, but you have, you know, three experienced strength conditioning coaches that are also, you know, obs- well, I know I am obsessed with hunting. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I think uh, as far as our goals and our missions go, I'm, you know, I think they're pretty closely aligned, yeah. but um, yeah, we're, we're really happy you were able to hop on and and have this conversation. Thanks Joel.
1: No, a hundred percent. Look, look forward to it. And uh, Barnsey and I've had, a uh, handful of discussions uh, in and around all this, so it should be fun. <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, you know, I think what, uh, you know, I like to to kind of get to know you a little, our audience would like to get to know you a little bit. So um, if we could start, you know, take us through kind of your journey, uh, maybe first as a strength conditioning professional, and then we'll follow that up. Maybe uh, take us through your, your uh, journey as a hunter.
1: Sure. Um Well, from a strength conditioning standpoint, um, I went to University of Nebraska, Kearney. is where my education uh, began. I did uh, undergrad and grad degree both uh, there. I was fortunate enough that uh, I was put into a pretty unique position where I kind of was able to kind of create my own path. There wasn't necessarily a strength conditioning uh, track, if you will. Um, At that time, uh, our graduate assistant, program there was really more geared towards, um, the epidemic, uh, the obesity epidemic, especially kind of more so towards the, uh, the youth obesity, um, childhood obesity. And, uh, obviously from my position of being, you know, former athlete, I was a college baseball player, um, that didn't necessarily uh, jive quite as, uh, or intrigue me quite as much as, as working into the strength conditioning side, and being more on that end of it. And so I was able to uh, kind of create what's now been kind of a mainstay that was started by a colleague and, and mentor of mine, Mike Sanders, who's now in special operations uh, down at Fort Eglin in the Thor three program. Um, and so, uh, spent a couple of years getting my feet wet in that kind of atmosphere, uh, head strength coach kind of Gave me a lot of reins and uh, let me make a lot of mistakes, which I'm sure there was uh, more than uh, I'd like to admit to. And then um, was fortunate that uh, when when I finished grad school, Mike was um, just moving into a head position at the University of Denver and uh, was able to get uh, an assistant job there. Uh, I spent about seven years at the uh, Division One level with uh, about eight or nine teams I was in charge of. And really towards the end of that was where uh, I originally had met Mike when I kind of started getting into doing some more things through the NSCA. And uh, Mike was the the director um, of the education department at that time. And uh, as luck would have it, uh, at the end, right around the end of 2009, I actually transitioned to the NSCA in the education program. And uh, worked as the education programs coordinator there. Hey,
0: Joel, Joel, can you uh, for people that are listening, can you kind of describe what the NSCA is, really quick?
1: Sure. Um, you know, from from our profession, you know, the National Strength and Conditioning Association is you know more or less our governing body within uh, you know certification. Um, the certification of uh, Certified Strength and Conditioning Specialist or CSCS is what is uh, more aptly known. Um, it's kind of the gold standard within the industry as far as as kind of what a lot of jobs at the uh, the collegiate level and now high school level and and some of their other certifications now uh, even at the professional level are kind of the Gold standard as far as prerequisites, and so you know, between content, uh, certification, uh, events, professional development, things like that, you know, the NSCA is kind of where uh, a lot of us in the field kind of hang our hat on as far as associations uh, professionally. So, um, like I said, you know, being able to uh, work in that environment, Mike can probably speak to that as well, um, really just has a multitude of benefits from, you know, from a network perspective, from a growth perspective, professionally. Um, At the time I was kind of concurrently working with the Colorado mammoth, which is a professional lacrosse team. I'm still employed with them. Um, I travel with the team and uh, I slowly, as I left the NSCA uh, kind of started working my way more onto the private sector side. And uh, now I'm currently Uh, the man, one of the managing partners in Denver at a facility called fast performance. So um, to transition that into the hunting side um, in 2019, I kind of had this realization that uh, over the course of my life, which started with um, both of my parents kind of growing up in the Dakotas where did a lot of bird hunting uh, Upland game, waterfowl, and things like that in Nebraska uh, and and in the Dakotas. Um, I moved to, when I moved to Colorado. That job with the a good friend of mine who had always been a big game hunter um, kind of introduced me to elk hunting in about 2002, and uh, that was you know something that just you know immediately. I gravitated towards, which was, you know, the challenge of being in the high country um, started out with being a rifle hunter. And and then uh, as I picked up a bow, um, you know, my rifle pretty much collects dust at this point. I mean, I'm an addict for the archery game. So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, like I said, in 2019 after, you know, now being, you know, almost 15 plus years of, of, uh, of, you know, embarking upon, You know, elk hunting and and things like that in the high country, I realized that I had been spending so much time in my own preparation, applying the things that I know professionally to preparing myself to get into the high country and and be physically ready to uh, to, you know, embark upon what it takes to be successful, to put on the miles, to, you know, be in the right condition and those types of things. And so for me to take something that I had as a passion to connect it with something that I do as a profession was really where, you know, for, for me, the onset of, you know, hunt, hike, harvest kind of started. And um, Jason Hershey's also one of my partners uh, here at fast um, Is a former big league ball player, um, he was an outdoorsman as well. And, and uh, oddly enough, as I've told Mike this, you know, his his background is actually in graphic design. So, you know, a lot of the things that we have put together, you know, kind of merged where I I'd handled and handle the side of, of strength, conditioning and content and those types of things. And he handles a lot of the logistics on, you know, website development and logos and, and a whole host of other things that, you know, in, in all essence, I suck at so.
0: <laughs> uh so so where w- what would you say or where would you say the biggest need is or or maybe even a easier way to say it where do you say where would you say the hunting industry is right now as far as information human performance information um i would say that as i as i kind of
1: evaluate and i think a lot of what i've done over the last couple of years is is really kind of, you know, put my my nose into what currently exists, you know, out there and and taking a look. And, you know, there's a there's a a handful of of other people that are, you know, seeing the opportunity that I believe exists in this space, Uh, obviously, knowing the the physical rigors of it um, and then, you know, really trying to relate that back to what currently exists to what we know as professionals in the field and saying to myself, well, I see a big need for what we know to be applied into, into this field. And I think that there's uh, starting to be a progression that is uh, becoming more um, I would say you know, visible to a lot of folks that, uh, you know, maybe come from uh, a a multitude of backgrounds and, and geographics, especially when you talk about people that that travel, you know, just an inordinate amount of miles into the high country from lower elevations that realize how difficult it is. And so um, with that being said, you know, I think that um, we're just scratching the surface and, Having people like you know yourselves and, and myself, um, you know, that uh, realize that there's a lot more to just you know going out and, and you know hiking or whatever that that can be put behind this, that can have principles behind what we know from a scientific foundations perspective from a metabolic perspective and things like that, that can help people better prepare. And hopefully the end result of that is create better levels of success for people that I really don't think um, exists in comparison to, you know, what I believe is, is kind of out there, um, you know, today.
2: So Joel, Hey, I was just kind of curious. So as you're, you know, we, you myself and Bubba look at stuff and, you know, stuff's coming across our computer and phone or whatever. So, just could you kind of you, you spoke about it a little while ago, and I'm just kind of curious because I think I, I don't know if I was talking to Bubba or what about this, but you know, you see something come across your your information out there, and it's like, okay, well, someone just wrote this on a grease board, right? And okay, well, apparently that's the workout they're going to do today, and you know, you and I and Bubba look at it going, that, that is a myopic look at an activity. You don't right. have what the goals are any idea what the individual is there's no progressions it is just a standalone workout and there you have it and someone is currently making 45 seconds of commentation about it so that's what I see that's I think Bubba would agree to that what what are you seeing and just kind of give us a little more critical look into that as far as what's what's coming across your desk and what you see is as far as the commercial side
1: Right. Well, I think that the the one thing that becomes you know slightly challenging with that is that yes, you're you're definitely correct in saying that. I think that I have a very similar view on that. I think that there are a couple caveats to that. Number one being that we are in a day and age of technology. Um, there are a lot of uh, you know, like I said, the the few that are are out there trying to. You know, provide a service and trying to you know get people excited about um, you know wanting to prepare better, um, trying to help people prepare better, and and that I can't you know fault w- whatsoever. Um, and the downside to that is that because of that, and because a lot of these things are being re- received via you know um, you know online platforms and things like that, there's challenges that accompany that, and because of that, like you said, kind of grease board mentality where it's, here's a program, go ahead and go do it. You're really missing out on the fact that as you said, you know, it's difficult to, to fit everybody into one box. Um, it definitely from a, a, you know, more sound perspective creates a, a lot more work for someone should they want to cater things a little bit more directly to an individual. Um, but at the same time, Um, You have to understand that um, in order to achieve a higher level of, of, uh, you know, success and um, within a program, Um, it needs to take into a lot more account than just, you know, well, this worked for me or, you know, I'm going to utilize, uh, you know, some, some very blanketed type approaches and things like that uh, in order for people to to see success. And, and so it's a difficult equation. um, But at the same time, I think, you know, we're both, uh, the three of us are of the mindset that it can be done better without question.
2: Yeah. So, you know, you see these, you see these programs and you, you made a, you made a good point a couple of weeks ago and I commended you that on your podcast as well about, you know, kind of taking someone to a limit and get them to throw up. <laughs> right. Can you, can you rephrase that in, in a much more articulate way with a graduate level of education.
1: <laughs> well, um, I, I love to take credit from that because, but, uh, the reality of it is, is the first time that I saw it, uh, was that uh, it? Really came from Mel Siff, um, you know, and, and those of us in the field that know anything about strength conditioning and, and Mel Sif and and his what's you know a lot of people consider the one of the more um, you know advanced texts in super training, um, where he said you know any idiot can make someone puke, um, but it takes a good professional to be able to take the appropriate variables and apply them in a manner that you can push somebody appropriately to a level where progress can be attained without reaching that point. Um, And so uh, I've always kind of remembered that statement. I've always kind of kept that in mind. And and, uh, I think there's an understanding that you have to have in order to know where you can take someone in terms of trying to improve their capacities um, and improve their abilities without just, like you said, throwing a whole bunch of stuff at them and then reaching a point where essentially, you know, that to me is the body saying, I can't do anymore. That's it. That's enough. And and when you're talking about this type of, of audience where you have people that are you know, I would say, you know, above average in terms of motivation, um, they're they're willing to put in work uh, those that are are going to embark upon it. But um, giving them a better program is going to be the key. And then at the same time, making them understand the differences between the two is is really the, you know, kind of, uh, you know, in my mind, what you want to accomplish within the program so that they know the difference between, you know, working hard and not just, you know, working hard for the sake of
0: working hard. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, no, I totally agree with you, what you're saying there. You know, I kind of, I kind of look at it like as far as where we're at, as far as the hunting industry, when it comes to human, talking about human performance and where the information is coming from right now, you know, I see it like, Uh, I guess kind of a good example might be like, all right, you have a professional athlete. Let's just, you know, LeBron James, you know, Tom Brady, whoever, you know, pick your professional athlete, you know, so we have hunters that are kind of the equivalent of the athlete that are the ones that are, you know, communicating that information through mostly. So I would say social media channels and things like that, but, you know, just regular people and hunters, that's their go-to information for information. And, you know, so, I mean, I think most people realize that, you know, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to work out like LeBron James or Tom Brady. Um, right. So that, that's, there's, I can't, there's the, the, the communication piece is, uh, is just off. And, yep. um, you know, I think, I, I, I guess it's important to reiterate to our listeners that, you know, uh, the, just to be a strength and condition, a professional strength and conditioning coach, There's certain prerequisites you have to have, and we all have those. And, you know, so there's certain things uh, that that we do to go about setting up a strength and conditioning program for athletes. And it's really easy for us to say, all right, this is good. This is not good. You Mm -hmm. know, we can, you know, pick holes in pretty much any program out there uh, just based on the knowledge and information experience that we all have. We three have here. Um, So I guess the next thing I I think that our listeners would be interested in hearing would be, all right, so you're a, you're a professional strength and conditioning coach. How do you go about setting up a program for a hunter?
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I think that, that a, a couple of things are that, you know, the preparation period in a lot of cases, I think is, is where a lot of people miss the boat. And unfortunately what we see a lot of is, guys that look at the hunting season, you know, for example, right now and go, well, you know, archery season starts in September and all of a sudden guys are into spring, they're into, you know, family, they're into all sorts of things. And all of a sudden it creeps up on them and they go, oh crap, Um, I've got a couple of weeks before I got to go. I should probably get my butt in gear. And the unfortunate part is like uh, I did a thing here recently with Rob Hartman, who's He's a, you know, metabolic freaking, you know, savant. And I kind of pinged him about this stuff. And he talked a lot about the importance of building aerobic capacity and real, realistically what that window looks like. And so when you look at it from that perspective, you know, yes, will it help you if you, if you, you know, get a late start? Sure. It's better than nothing. But the reality of it is that uh, most people are, probably not applying um, and putting themselves in a better position by starting or continuing or maintaining a a program early on. And so my, my first line of defense is to get people to understand the value in that. And that um, as Mike mentioned, you know, progression Um, and so figuring out uh, I just did a, a program. I'm doing uh, some stuff for XL Mountain Gear where uh, I'm trying to kind of lay some of these things out. And it starts very simply with like, hey, I want you to go walk a mile um, with nothing, right? No pack. Um, I don't even care necessarily if you have, you know, any elevation or, or incline or anything like that. And then I want you to turn around and now put your pack on and walk another mile. And what I want you to be able to do is, Look at the difference between those two um, in terms of time. If you have the ability to you know, track heart rate, um, you you have to start gaining some ownership and understanding the differences there. And then we have a starting point to understand, OK, well, now I have to gradually and progressively start increasing the amount of ability. Um, and some of it is learning pace. You know, I think one of the, the pitfalls that a lot of guys do is they don't understand that You know, uh, regardless of of how much ground you cover, if you cover it more efficiently, it's going to serve you a lot better over the course of a hunt than trying to kill yourself getting from ridge to ridge, um, when the reality of it is if you can learn to understand what your level is and maintain it at a better pace, and then as we go through that program, We're going to progressively add distance. We're going to progressively add load. We're going to progressively um, look at our rest periods and, you know, start to narrow that gap a little bit until we reach an achievable and attainable um, ability for us to replicate and for us to understand, you know, when and, and how I should rest and recover and those types of things as I'm out um, trying to put, you know, trying to put miles on. And through the process of that at the same time is this tolerance piece. Um, I think that there's a, a lot to be said about that, which is you know, something i said a million times is there's a big difference between a callus and a blister. And that is if you do too much too soon, the odds are you're going to break down and you're not going to be able to handle the load, which is, you know, the definition of how most, you know, in, in a very literal sense of blister forms, where I'm speaking more proverbially from a callous perspective, if we give dosages over time, we're going to build up a tolerance. And that is, that is what my goal is, is to start gradually progressing and build up a tolerance over time so that we're capable of continuing to handle those loads for longer durations and then repeat them a little bit more in succession. Um, as opposed to, you know, kind of the tortoise and the hare approach, which is just, you know, put my head down and haul ass as far as I can go and then suffer and then do it again. And so, um, that's part of it. Obviously the second part of it is just, um, you know, the strength portion. Obviously, if I have better strength, we know that it's going to serve me better over time. Um, and building that up to, uh, you know, a reasonable level through obviously our weight room work, um, understanding that, uh, you know, structural integrity, because yes, we are going to have, you know, a pack on of some sort. And at the same time, if things go well and we, you know, are, are fortunate enough to fill a tag, then the work really begins. You know, getting those things to a point where we're capable and able to, you know, handle that and do it successfully so that not only do I afford myself the ability to accomplish the task, but do it in a manner that now I'm going to enjoy it a little bit better, recover better, feel better, and my overall experience is going to be greatly enhanced based on the fact that I understand how that process works and how it's going to ultimately afford me a much better uh, outcome.
2: Hey, hey, Joel. um, You you mentioned build aerobic capacity, and I want to I want to move on a little bit from that to the biomechanics and maybe the physiology of hiking
0: Mm
2: -hmm. load, and and also could could we could you add to that um, maybe some archery specific um, ideas, thoughts, exercises if someone's going to you know okay go into elk season you know, into the high country where we live. So biomechanics, could you break that down a little bit on the hiking under load then also talk about maybe some archery? Sure, sure. Things that come to mind. I just don't want to limit you. Just just go for it.
1: <laughs> well, um, you know, a couple of things that, that come to mind to me, especially when we, when we start thinking about biomechanics is, you know, as we add load, it's going to change our center of mass. Um, obviously, we're not going to be quite as tall Um, You're going to see a little bit more uh, flexion at the hip. Um, You know, we had this this question. I think it was, you know, I think you actually posed it uh, last week, which was, you know, understanding that if I'm in some of those positions uh, with a pack on as well, I'm going to potentially, you know, slightly internally rotate at the shoulders and those things. And, and so those postural kind of anomalies based on load are going to affect foot strike. Um, they're going to, like I said, affect center of mass. They're going to affect, uh, you know, my, my angle of my torso, having me, you know, slightly get to where I'm trying to keep the load a little bit more over my center of mass Um, and so again, that's something that we have to become accustomed to, but at the same time, it's also out of our normal posture. And so, you know, things that, that we look at in terms of trying to combat some of that stuff is that I have to value what it means to have, you know, a a strong back, uh, you know, the postural muscles, um, understand the value and things, you know, as far as our rowing goes within the weight room, um, you know keeping uh, tissue on the the anterior side of you know the chest and, and and anterior shoulder and stuff like that from not getting too tight to where I, I'm now almost overly putting myself in a position to maybe uh, counteract that that posture um, and, and work on understanding how to better align myself and um, you'll see a lot of anomalies within that where folks will you know get lordotic or you know and in, in for lack of better terms, you know, be really in kind of a butt out position where the low back becomes more exposed, based on me trying to find that posture, as opposed to being a little bit more. Um, integrity based of of keeping my, my pelvis a little more neutral and and stabilizing through the trunk um, so that I carry that load better. Um, Those things to me are are what I usually start with. And, and uh, again, um, those are things that during the off season, you know, if you have the ability to kind of assess and look at and, and be cognizant of and teach um, I think it's important to teach that because it's not something that's normal. in most guys um, for a a huge portion of the year are not going to have that load on them. They're not going to have that pack on them. And so it's something that's foreign to them. It has to be somewhat learned. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of one of those things that, that I think is is hugely important. And again, you know, when you look at the amount of mileage that you're potentially going to put on, you know, could be 30, 40, 60 miles or, or whatever. Um, it's a compounding interest piece. And if you do those things from poor positions and poor postures, For that length of time, odds are um, you're going to have aches and pains, you're going to have bumps and bruises, and and some of them may be avoidable. Some of them may be, you know, more so, um, you know, just part of the game. But the mission is, can we improve upon them so that we minimize or limit them based on you understanding how to be in those positions a little bit more effectively?
2: Hey, real real quick, and I'm going to circle back for a second, but how, so if someone wants to build up to whatever, I, you know, if you're going to carry out an elk, you might be, you know, looking close to a hundred pounds. So over the course of time, if someone is apparently healthy and can handle it, um, you know, handle a load that heavy, how long would you say, would you recommend to build up to that and also... You know, if you had a starting, you're going to start out hiking, whatever, in the off season at 30 pounds, how often would you want to handle a heavy load and how long would you take to build up to get there?
1: Um, I I think that, you know, you need to probably give yourself a minimum of, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to to 12 weeks. Uh, I think that it doesn't have to be necessarily something that you do every single day. I think that, again, as we look at progression, you know, I may start as low as saying, you know, three times a week and then progressing that uh, upwards of, you know, four and five um, and maybe even as you get closer to it, up to six Uh, six days. But at the same time, I also think it's something where you don't necessarily have to have that load every single day. Um, I think that you are concurrently at that time thinking about, as you mentioned, the, the aerobic side, which is, you know, Gradually building up in the durations and things like that. And, you know, I know I've talked to a lot of guys in the military with, you know, rucking protocols and and things like that. And there's a lot of variance in what guys, you know, believe in terms of of some of that stuff in terms of how often and how much you should load um, as you prepare. And so I'm kind of somewhere, I think, in the middle where, um, you know, a lot of guys will say, well, let's build up aerobic capacity out of gear. Um, and I think that there's a lot that you can do and that there's a huge value in that. But again, if I think about efficiency, I like those, the, those, you know, small dosages, um, even like I said, as, as far as, you know, 12 weeks or so out, and it can be more than that, obviously. Um, but, uh, I think that that's, that's a relative ballpark that if you are, going to commit to it. And, and if you kind of put yourself into uh, a position where you want to be adequately prepared that, you know, that's a relatively good window to you know expect that if you progress from, like you said, you know, maybe 30 or whatever, and then that's an arbitrary number, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, from 30, 40, 60, and, and quite frankly, I don't ever put anybody into you know 100 pounds leading up saying well this is guaranteed that i'm going to have to be able to do that i want to be within striking distance that's kind of my thing that's my thing is i'm going to probably progress up to 50 and maybe 60 um you know maybe not a heck of a lot more than that but i know that if in conjunction with that i'm building strength um and putting on some of that mileage and, and building up those tolerances in terms of, of having load that if I'm if I'm in that ballpark by the time I get there um, and typically, you know, a week or so out, I want to kind of let myself recover so that I go into, you know, a hunt fresh. I think a lot of guys also, and, and we talk about this with, uh, you know, different contexts, say selection and stuff like that with special operations where, you know, a lot of guys don't give themselves enough recovery before they actually go out and, and start to get Get into it um that can also be something that is is a pitfall for some guys where they think that they've got to just you know burn it to the wire and the reality of it is if they recover a little bit before they go they're probably going to operate better when they get into the hunt
2: to actually get going hey real real quick though i wanted to come back to that um archery um question basically open-ended question you have someone that's a bow hunter and they're you know, preparing in the off season, you mentioned preparation period. So where, where would you start with your, with your, you know, bow hunter as far as your routines? What kind of mind? Yeah. um,
1: I think that, you know, the first thing is, is shoulder integrity, uh, rowing, um, you know, posterior, everything there is, is so critical um, that if I'm stronger and I build a more stable base, uh, especially with regards to draw being, you know, solid on the front arm, um, being able to get into holds. Um, and, and I think that we start to work on stuff with that, you know, from a strength perspective, um, and it's, you know, single arm rowing, uh, we're fortunate we've got, you know, some equipment where I can kind of mimic, almost being in that, that draw position and stuff like that. And then at the same time, it's building up the ability to hold, um, you know, because again, it's one of those things where you don't know, right? Like the opportunity may present itself and you may have to be at a hold for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute. Um, But a lot of, I think again, you know, areas where people potentially fail is, trying to do that before they're, they're prepared or before they're, you know, built up the right strength in, in order to do that stuff. And so, again, I like to start where, um, you know, I don't worry about distance too much. I think that as you progress, you know, just like anything, you start to work on, you know, gaining some distance and, and finding distance that you are comfortable with, I think is huge. Um, you know, you see a lot now, you know, if you watch, watch a lot of guys, You see guys taking 60, 70, and 80-yard shots. Well, maybe that's not you. And so I think that you have to find where your critical ability meets um, you know, taking ethical shots. Uh, and, and so what we want to do is get you to a point where, you know, you work on some of those things. Um, we do them at the, er- in the early stages, again, uh, this time of year where, you know, you're shooting fresh, you're working on shot process, you're working on, you know, consistency and things like that at 20, uh, at 30. Um, I mean, fine if you shoot at 10, uh, and do a, you know, a lot of reps there. And then gradually as we start to, you know, progress it's adding some fatigue to that right we're going to incorporate doing things where we want your heart rate to be elevated uh, because guess what if you know if you've ever been there and and, you know and you guys have been there for sure um, you know what happens as soon as you know everything is is going down you know you're standing still and, and all of a sudden your heart rate goes through the roof You've got to be able to manage your breathing. You've got to be able to manage focus control. You've got to be able to hold and stay steady. And so we're trying to incorporate um, ways with which I don't think you can ever fully mimic it, but we want to get you into a state that's going to be somewhat stressful um, for you to start getting more comfortable with shooting under stress because, you know, it's going to be a stressful um, environment when when and if that that opportunity does present itself and then again building out holds uh building out the ability to stay in those positions longer and then still execute good shots
2: right are you are you shooting from the ground or one knee or um any, any unusual positions? (laughs) Um, that's
1: a great question. You know, again, I think that's something where, you know, we, we start and stay pretty standard. Um, and then as we start to progress, you know, I like to be, you know, uneven ground, you know, one foot downhill, one foot uphill. Um, you can use a block, you can use a sidewalk, you can use, you know, whatever, um, we'll do things where we'll, we'll shoot, um, Know kneeling, Uh, I think that uh, you know those things are are hugely important. We'll do you know a draw, and after you draw, you've got a quarter turn to your left, you got a quarter turn to your right, um, and uh, even some stuff where um, we may put you into you know standing, you know, a little bit more almost front leg um, and, and create a little bit of instability. Work on trying to get into more, uh, you know, precarious positions, if you will, and still try and manage and execute good shots. Obviously, um, you know, you never know how things are going to go down. And so again, it's one of those things where I feel like the more prepared you can be to shoot from different positions like that um, the better off that you're going to be. So um, I, yeah, I, I, I like to do that um, because I think that again, you, you just, you never know what's uh, what the situation is going to present itself with. And if you don't prepare or you've taken some shots from, you know, like I said, from a kneeling position, from a, you know, a quarter turn position or, or, or you know, a, uneven you know with your feet and things like that then odds are it's going to be really foreign to you
2: perfect you know you know what you just kind of echoed a little bit of you know progressions over time just like we do as strength conditioning coaches start out easy make it more difficult a lot of variety later on prepare for um kind of a specific sport specific like specific situation but bubs has a couple of questions he wants to.
0: yeah I, I got a bunch i'm writing down here with, um yeah <laughs> Yeah, this ties into exactly what we're talking about, which is specificity. So maybe explain to the listeners, because most of the listeners are going to be hunters uh, that don't know a whole lot about, you know, uh, the ins and outs of strength conditioning and everything, or even developing a strength conditioning program. So maybe go into what exactly is, or even the definition of specificity, or maybe in in your terms, what it means. And then uh, just maybe some other things that that would fall into that categories of specificity sure um you know i I think specificity is is
1: in the strength conditioning world is something that you know in the early 2000s became such a a hot topic a buzzword where uh, we saw this shift where everyone wanted to see activities movements um you know drills and things like that that in all essence are geared or were geared or intended to simulate or emulate the actual activity itself, you know, albeit, you know, sprinting, agility, whatever. Um, and, and so the, and there's a lot of things from that regard that can be potentially problematic. And what we've seen over time is getting to where a lot of people blur that line too much and understand that, Um, if we get too cute with things or we try and be too specific that oftentimes our training effect is potentially lost. And so, you know, we talk about specificity as it applies to, you know, what we're talking about, you know, I think of it from a hunting perspective of, you know, some basic things, which is, you know, having the ability to, you know, get into those, those positions as far as as shooting goes, Um, and build up tolerance to, you know, maintain holds to shoot from those different positions and things like that. Um, And from, you know, the hiking perspective, and and some of those things, you know, from a specificity uh, perspective, in Colorado being a prime example, you know, you talk about deadfall and, and, you know, matchsticks all over the forest, where you're going to be getting up and over a lot of things. So we talk about, the the need for hip mobility because we're going to have to navigate through some of that terrain. And so trying to look at the activity itself and figure out what are some of those demands from a mechanical perspective, from a strength perspective, and from a metabolic perspective. And how can we contextually pull those out um, of thinking about those, you know, examples that I just gave you and then create a an applicable transference within our training that will better serve for when we get out into the field and you know like I said I think you you have to be cautious in understanding those and an understanding of strength of, you know, the metabolic side of, you know, stability and, and mobility and some of those things with training, uh, is where that specificity piece lies. And, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely value in it because like I said, um, you know, if you have someone who has, you know, bad shoulder qualities or whatever, uh, odds are, may be difficult. You're going to see a lot of anomalies in how a guy draws, Um, you know, they may not be able to draw very smooth. Uh, Maybe they don't have the correct poundage and they're like, I got to shoot 70 pounds, but they don't have the strength for it. You know, those things become downfalls um, when again, opportunity presents itself. And, you know, uh, I think you have to be able to identify where those things kind of lie and then figure out how do we create better programming to combat some of those things so that they'll have a better opportunity to be successful when they get out there and, and not do it where they're just you know are, are blindly you know trying to accomplish a task.
0: Awesome dude that was a, a great answer. i um, gonna turn it a little bit here so um, there's going to be a lot of like highly skilled hunters listening to this and you know, who, you know, who you are <laughs> <laughs> you guys I'm talking to here. So, um, you know, and I've been at, uh, around a lot of really good hunters, you know, for the majority of my life. And, you know, what ends up happening to a lot of these, uh, a lot of these guys and even gals, um, is at some point they can't go as hard as they used to go. They can't mm-hmm. do the, they used to do. They can't. You know, they can't go uh, on a, a, you know, certain elevations and certain terrains because of limiting factors like injuries. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think maybe uh, uh, go into a little bit about uh, how, how somebody could maybe prevent injuries um, and go into, you know. So for me personally, uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about durability, mm-hmm. you know, as far as hunting goes hunting world goes. And, you know, it's the, the, a big difference with hunting and sport, you know, is there's, there's, there's a lot more variants involved, right? So there's a, you know, with a sport, it's a lot easier. It's, it's pretty easy for us as strength coaches to program things because we, we have a time domain. We have, uh, you know, Uh, that's probably the biggest one and then we can look at all right is it more of a power sport is it a strength sport is it a endurance sport those kinds of things um now because the every hunt's a little bit different you don't really know you don't know what the time domain is going to be and you know so but the terrain uh is typically where uh, a lot of hunters you know will jack themselves up whether it's a fall or uh, chronic, repetitive, you know, crappy movements of some kind. So if you could go into the importance of maybe the biomechanical piece or just how important it is to do the the things that we're talking about uh, so you can hunt, you know, for a long, long period of time, you know, because I have friends um, and, and close family members that they can't go as hard as they can anymore. And they're extremely... Skilled hunters, you know, almost look at like Larry Bird. You know, I, I know a lot of people would say, you know, he's he's off the charts as a basketball player, skill wise. But as far as an athlete goes, you know, he's at like a one or a two. Yeah, you know, so, um, you know, maybe go into a little bit of, about your thoughts on that.
1: Oh boy, that's a that's a really really good question. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that. You know, from from one perspective, um, it's it is it's that's a very difficult uh, equation uh, based on potential limiting factors. You know, I'm part of a ton of different groups that uh, I try and contribute to and pay attention to on, you know, social media and things like that, where guys are always asking for, you know, thoughts and comments. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen someone that comes in and says, hey, you know, I'm going out this year. It's going to be my last, you know, last hunt with my dad type thing. You know, you just can't cover the ground anymore, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there, there's an unfortunate kind of window for all of us where, yeah, I mean, it's someday we're not going to be able to accomplish or achieve the things that we used to. And, and um, that's kind of just the, the nature of life in some regards. But at the same time, to answer the question is, are there things that we can be doing that can improve or lengthen that window? Of course. And, you know, when I think about that from a perspective of how can we influence that um, it is probably the most important part of it is, is understanding the value of what we're talking about from the most basic sense, which is if I commit to doing some things on a regular basis, the odds are, um, it's going to behoove me and it's going to warrant me being able to do these activities for a longer period of time. And so it comes from a standpoint of saying consistency is going to probably yield a lot higher result than the example I gave you of the guy who says, oh crap, I got to go, uh, you know, out and the hunt's coming up in a month. I probably better get my butt off the couch. And, you know, those are the things where the odds are in that case, that person's mission is to survive. And, you know, we want to try and switch that dial a little bit more to not surviving, but thriving. And that comes from consistency. And that comes from taking a dedicated approach to, you know, I'm not saying you have to be a workout warrior. I'm not saying that you're going to have to commit your life to, you know, just changing everything. You know, I'm a firm believer in, in finding some balance and some middle ground, but understanding that if we, do at least some minimal dosages of things over time. And, and it could be, you know, based on injury and things like that. Hey, if I've got some, some shoulder things that, that typically bug me, if I do a better job of, of addressing those things early on, it's definitely going to help. You know, if I have some back issues, if I work on, you know, hip mobility, if I work on flexibility, if I work on improving trunk qualities through, you know, I, I hate to say the word core work because that's a very terrible term uh, within our field. But, you know, understanding the value in trunk integrity, odds are that if we do them more consistently that we're probably going to improve our ability to withstand more and do it for longer periods of time. And and by that, I mean, over our lifespan. And, you know, I had this conversation on a podcast actually was with Brett Bartholomew a few months ago. I said, you know, the guy that looks at, at uh, this and says, yeah, I want to be able to do this, you know, for another 20 years. Well, guess what? If you're, if that's your mission, then the ability to accomplish that task doesn't start 20 years down the road. It starts now. You have to commit to understanding that if that's your goal, that the consistency over this next you know uh, amount of time to get to that 20 years is going to be the culmination of all the work and, and all of the uh, effort that you put in to maintain the ability to do these things for that period of time. And odds are, when you get there, you're probably going to be a heck of a lot better off than, than should you say... Oh crap! Uh, now I'm hanging on, and we see this a lot in sport, right? Guys that you know maybe take for granted the fact that I don't have aches and pains, I'm able to do what I want, and now all of a sudden they start realizing that uh, I'm not able to do quite as well as I could have, and their focus changes. And I think it's our mission to get people's focus to change at an earlier, uh, you know, an earlier period, so that they can, you know, extend that window further
0: on through, you know, understanding the things that we're trying to teach them. Okay. So did you hear that guys, you guys highly skilled hunters out there, (laughs) (laughs) you know, so that, no, that's a great, that's, I'm really happy that you, you kind of uh, articulated it like that because, um, you know, there are a lot of hunters out there with bad backs, with bad knees that, that, you know, maybe not now, but are slowly, but surely, not being able to do the things that they used to be able to do, and you know, a lot of times it's just uh, you know, tweak a little bit of a tweak here, a little bit of a tweak there in their program. You know, there's a reason Tom Brady is still playing it. I think he's 40, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. You know, so he he spends he, he he saw the importance early on of investing in his health. Yep. Uh, LeBron James spends like I don't know, two I think it's two million a year just on his health or something right. like that. So, um, you know, I think so as hunters. You know, as new as a lot of this information is, I think to a lot of uh, people now, especially hunters, um, it, you know, the 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 more that we can help them understand, like, look, there there are so many things we're leaving on the table from a from a conditioning standpoint, and a lot of time it's just it's it's very simple stuff. Yeah. So, um, Mike Mike. Has yeah, some
2: questions I want to I want to change a little bit for you, Joel. So, with Hunt Harder, we have kind of like our our primary tenants are training, recovery, and nutrition, mm-hmm. and. With training aside, we talked a little bit about that, um, but I want to I want to focus a little bit on recovery and nutrition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lead you a little bit. So on our recovery, be it um, contrast showers, um, massage, music, flexibility slash, um, uh, you know, stretching, and um, with nutrition, meal timing, what, when, and how much. Let's just say that. You know, you're on a, you know, you've got a multi-day elk hunt, which is really common out here and your quads are just not, you know, I mean, obviously you get out there and you're always going 10 as far as where you want to go. You're kind of gassed out on your quads. What, you know, I'm asking for (laughs) what we we recommend, what goes through your mind as far as the recovery and the nutrition piece, because you know, you're going to be, you're going to be pushing. That's just the nature of when you get in, when you get out and um, deal. Yeah. Um, Well,
1: that's a, that's a can of worms um, that, uh, you know, I'll I'll tell you, and it's kind of funny because I think about this, how a lot of people are uh, when it comes to these types of things are like, Hey, what do you do? And, uh, you know, guys get to where they're protective of like, oh, I'm not giving you trade secrets and I'm on the exact opposite. Like, I'll share anything because to me, I I promise you, I've never invented anything. And and I sure the heck I'm not going to take any ownership of, you know, some earth shattering, you know, invention or or finding that, uh, you know, the world is going to uh, pay me handsomely for. So um, to to start into that, um, you know, the first thing is. I look at a lot of simple things from a soft tissue perspective. um, I mentioned this in, you know, our, our Instagram live, I did a couple of weeks ago, which was um, you know, the, the golf ball, lacrosse ball Um, we have, uh, or I bring along with me also uh, a massage stick, um, like, you know, a tiger tail or whatever. And basically what it is, is, you know, for anybody that doesn't know it's, it's, you know, a, a two foot long, stick that allows you to roll over the top of tissue that will fit, you know, in a bag. Um, and so at night, like when we get back to camp, um, that thing comes out and, you know, I'm going to get on my T bands. I'm going to get on my quads. I'm going to get on my calves with those things and work on trying to, you know, kind of self massage those things with, with one of those sticks. And it's something that's relatively inexpensive, inexpensive, you know, you're talking 20 bucks or something like that um, money well spent. If it will improve the quality of, you know, my ability to turn around and sure, like you said, yeah, odds are, probably going to be barking a little bit after a day or two and and that's to be expected you know um the golf ball piece um i think with all the side hilling contouring uneven surfaces and all those types of things that inevitably are going to be part of you know trekking around out in the woods um we're doing the same thing i'm going to put that golf ball on the base of my foot you know take my shoes off and I'm going to work that thing through there to try and again get that tissue to kind of break up a little bit, self massage it, and those types of things. And you know that to me is where the the recovery process starts. Um, as we mentioned about the biomechanics, you know, being in that flexed hip position and things. You know, um, you probably laugh, but it's like uh, I'm in camp at night and I'm stretching out my hip flexors and and I'm going to do um, some some. St- figure fours where, you know, I'm going to cross one leg over the other and I'm going to work on trying to, you know, stretch through my, my glutes and things like that for my back. And, and so, you know, it's just taking 10 minutes back at, at camp and you can't say, well, I don't have time. Well, when you get back to camp, guess what? That's all you have is time, you know, unless you're, you know, so committed to sitting around the campfire. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that, that to me is like, I know that if I do that every day, it's going to pay massive dividends for me in terms of how I feel the next day. So um, so from a soft tissue perspective those are simple things that, you know, to me, I'm just like, I throw that stuff in my bag. You know, it's not hard to come up with those materials. I'm not spending a ton of money. Um, You know, most everybody's got a golf ball laying around that type of stuff. Um, And I bring them along and, uh, and I, and I'm the guy, of course, within our camp where everybody's like, Hey, where's that stick at? You know, and I've got other guys that now understand it. And they're like, Oh, that's a lifesaver. I feel so much better.
2: Um, Bob's carries one with him too. He's got a um, kind of a, Ball size, ball. That you yeah,
1: that. yeah. So, so those are huge. Um, now, when I move to the other side, which is understanding internally, um, you know, how am I going to recover? Um, we use a multitude of things. Number one is um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of a company called The Right Stuff. Um, we utilize that in our packs during the day uh, for hydration. We know that through hydration, if I am at all um, dehydrated, you know, even two, 3%, I'm going to start seeing an effect on muscle function. And so um, the right stuff was actually a NASA engineered product to help rapidly rehydrate um, astronauts as they came back into the atmosphere. And so if you need a whole lot more information on that or justification, I would say that's probably justification in itself um, (laughs) that uh, the, the level of uh, ability of a product like that. And so uh, it's very simple. We just, it it comes in um, you know, a, one ounce or two ounce, um, little packet, and we just put it inside of our bladder. Um, and that helps maintain our hydration, which is going to help improve the profile of, of our hydration over the course of the day, over the course of the week, um, which inherently is going to hopefully enhance, you know, the muscle muscle quality. Um, when we get back to camp, um, it's one, it's something where, uh, I'm a big believer in a few things. Um, obviously eating, you know, of course getting good food and, and things like that as much as possible. Um, but, uh, some other stuff, which is sleep quality. Um, I usually carry a concentrated, uh, tart cherry juice with me, which is, Hugely high in antioxidant, which is going to be good for, you know, free radicals and and uh, you know, helping improve inflammation. There's a lot of studies that that support what you know that that will do in terms of controlling inflammation. Um, so we're you know, I, I usually mix up you know one of those every night before I go to bed, and it's going to improve sleep quality, um, which is going to be you know definitely affected at altitude, and again, that's documented as well. Um, some other things uh, that that also that we also use is uh, we've been in the last couple years uh, utilizing some CBD products and things like that. Um, I'm really kind of, you know, liking uh, the use of some of those things, again, for inflammation and, and, and some of that stuff. Um, will help with sleep quality as well. Uh, So we've been kind of dabbling with that. Uh, And then during the day, also, uh, like when we get up in the morning is I utilize uh, a product called UCAN. And UCAN was a medically derived product that was created for um, babies and infants that had a genetic anomaly to process uh, glucose properly. And so they were having issues where they couldn't Um, maintain glucose levels for more than three to four hours at a time. And they were having to feed them literally every three to four hours, 24 hours a day. And so this UCAN product is actually a starch product that is, you know, high heat um, created and it is from a food base. So it's not a chemistry product. I'm a huge believer in whole food. And what it is designed to do is create an insulin profile over a prolonged period of time. And you're seeing it a ton in the endurance world and things like that, where it's going to help improve your energy levels over an extended period of time. And so I like to do that in the morning before we take off. And it's going to help with, you know, like I said, my ability to to maintain a little bit better level of energy throughout the course of the day. Um, I'm not going to feel as as gassed as I go throughout the day. And, you know, to me, when I look at those things, um, you know, over the course, of, of a week, if I'm committed to you know incorporating those things kind of day in day out, um, I'm surprised. I'd love to have you know like one of those like testimonials where I video uh, you know the guys in our camp. I'm like, hey, how you feel today? And, and there's been so many times where I'm like I actually feel pretty good. That's surprising. And it's like you're welcome um, because guess what?
0: Uh, <laughs> welcome. That's my new yeah, That's exactly.
1: True. So um, so those are some things that we do um, that uh, I, I think have shown to be very, very helpful. And again, I, I'm utilizing my resources professionally to, you know, implement them in into an environment where, you know, I think they're going to be very effective.
0: That's awesome. So I think that that's, you know, a pretty good time to, to put a pin in it here. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's important. To, I think what hopefully the audience is uh, starting to understand is there's, there's probably some areas for opportunity uh, in their strengthening and conditioning program, if they, if they in fact have a, a strength conditioning program that they're, they're following of some kind. Um, but I think it's the, the biggest point of this is, you know, for all of us being on this is, uh, really helping people understand, like there might, there might be some areas that, that you can get better at, and maybe it's the full mm-hmm. thing, you know, for, for people. Um, anyway dude i i really appreciate you coming on um if you could uh uh just explain a little bit uh, maybe specifically uh, as far as uh with hunt hike harvest what you do there and you know kind of what you uh, can help hunters out with and then uh, also uh you know uh, tell tell everybody where they can find sure so you know Hunt High Carvest is essentially, as I mentioned,
1: you know, our, our platform is, is very similar to, you know, what you guys are doing, which is awesome. You know, that's why I love being able to talk to guys like yourself where, you know, our mission is to help, help hunters understand and, and have the resources to better prepare. And through the utilization of what I know, it's, um, trying to find those that, uh, you know, like you guys, um, where we can, collaborate and provide that information. And more importantly, you know, which is kind of the early part of this conversation is get people to understand the separation between maybe some of the things that do exist and the difference between that and what we're capable and able to provide at a much higher level. And so, you know, you guys are, are, you know, charging down the same path and and it's awesome. And as I told Mike, you know, I look at it from a perspective of saying, You know, I I would much rather that, you know, we continue kind of running in parallel and, and, you know, supporting each other rather than saying like, oh, well, those guys are our competition because ultimately I don't view it that way. And then, you know, beyond that, uh, it's, you know, we have our podcast, we have, you know, our YouTube page and some of those things. And, and we're just trying to, to generate content that will, you know, people will find engaging and and helpful. We're hoping, and we try to have some fun with it as well. Um, you know, we did kind of a a parody type thing here, not too long ago for Numa, uh, outdoors, who's one of our partners. And, um, you know, we're filming some things a little bit. We've got some pretty big plans for that this year. Um, but ultimately it's just continuing to do that. And, and kind of inch our way along into relationships where you know over time it's something that we can enjoy doing. It's something that hopefully will become a resource to other hunters. And um, you know it's pretty easy to find us uh, if you go to Hunt High Harvest Outdoors. Um, you can go to HuntHighHarvest.com or uh, on any of the social media outlets, and, and uh, we should be pretty easy to find. So I really appreciate you guys uh, asking me to do it, and it's it's always fun talking shops. So thank you for that.
0: Heck yeah, man. There's a, there's a big piece of the pie right now. So we're, uh, I think it's, you know, and uh, this is a really passionate community, yeah. you know, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's enough, enough passion to go around for sure. And, and people, you know, they're, they're you know, for the most part, are really just trying to get better. And I think that, uh, you know, we can, you know, partner up and sharing that mission and, and giving people information, but really quality information. Right. So I really, it, man. And, uh, I guess, uh, Mike, do you have anything else? No, but
2: thanks for your time, Joel. Right on. Yeah. hundred
1: percent. Look forward to, uh, to connecting again. So thanks for the opportunity guys.
0: Hope you guys enjoyed the episode and uh, hopefully we can give you more episodes like that as far as, uh, connecting human performance with the hunting space. So, uh, just a few things. So you can connect, uh, to Joel and, uh, everything with him at hunt at hunt, hike, harvest. Uh, so he has a website, hunt, hike, Uh, they have an Instagram, Facebook, also a YouTube channel. Uh, you can find all those at hunt, hike, harvest. So anyway, hope you guys, uh, enjoyed it. Um, and, you can uh, search us we we're working on a a bunch of different things instagram facebook youtube all sorts of stuff Uh, but we do have an instagram started at hunt underscore harder so if you guys have any questions about any of this stuff that we talked about or anything at all reach out